right. How are we doing this morning? Just as well, amen? amen? All right. I'm going to pray, and then, we, uh, then we'll go through the Word together. Let's pray. Father God, I just come before you this morning. I'm, I'm grateful, Lord. God, that we can stand and sing songs about you and to you that are true of you. God, Lord, that Lord, you are a sustainer. You're a liberator. And you're the only one that can satisfy our soul, God. We come back to that often, Lord, that you're the only one that can motivate our hearts to love. You're the only one that can regenerate a lost soul. You're the only one that can do the work, God. So this morning, we look to you. And God, we ask as we spend a few minutes in the Scriptures, Lord, that you would stir our affections, God. Lord Jesus, that today wouldn't just be another day that we look at the Word, that we look at the text and see what, what you would say, God, but it would take root in our heart, God, and it would blossom into fruit, and you would, God, change our lives. Lord, we pray that you would do incredible things in our midst, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody together said, Amen. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. We finished up Philippians last week, and this is a standalone sermon. We're not going to walk through the book of Galatians right now, but this is, this is a transition sermon for us, and, and, and I feel like the Lord wants us to hear this. So if you're in the book of Galatians, go to chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 9 and, and, and just hang out 9 and 10. So let's, let's go. Galatians 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I'm going to read that one more time. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. Today, um, I want to talk about growing weary. I want to talk about what it looks like and how it affects us from time to time whenever we grow tired in our faith walk. I don't know if you're anything like me, but there are times that we can have so many plates spinning in our lives. There's times that we can be so overwhelmed with so much to do. and Usually it's good stuff. We have good stuff going on, but it seems like we're just tired. And Let me ask this question. Has anybody in the room used this kind of vocabulary in the last two weeks? The word... Busy? Anybody? Tired? Exhausted? Spent? You can, we can unpack all the words that mean the same thing, but I was asked this past week, and, and it hit me when I said this. Somebody said, they were all excited. They were like, TJ, how are you doing, man? And I just said, busy. And I thought about the conversation later. I thought, they were pumped up to say, hey, and my response was, Busy? Hey, man, how's it going? How you doing? Busy. But isn't that true of so many of us? Busy. The Bible says, Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you will reap if you do not faint. Paul was cautioning in the book of Galatians to not grow weary even in doing good things. And I want to show you kind of some of the pitfalls, what happens when we grow weary. A place of weariness, even in good things, is a place that breeds frustration. Anybody agree? 
Anybody not got enough sleep before? I, I, I'll be honest with you. If, if I don't get enough sleep, which I sleep, I don't know, five, six hours a night, whatever, but if I don't get enough sleep, it, it might be one day or two days or three days that it rocks on, but there will be a day, maybe somebody puts the keyboard in the wrong place, I will punch them in the face. Okay. This is how it goes. Like, like if I'm tired and I'm drained, like that, like that weariness is a breeding ground for frustration. You think things and you say things that you really don't mean and that you will pay for later. Right? When you're weary. Whether it's relational, whether it's on your job. I'm serious. Some of you guys, you walk into the office and if you had not got enough sleep and all the coffee's gone in the coffee pot and it's just burned on the bottom, you'll throw the coffee pot through the office. You wouldn't do that on a normal day when you got enough sleep. you just go in and change the coffee and clean out the cup and be glad to see everybody. But weariness has a way of breaking us down. And I want to I hit this little note before we move on. The reason that we grow weary and the reason that we grow tired and the reason that God created sleep, he, I mean, He could have created us as we, we didn't need sleep. Right? And he could have, in his awesome glory, made it to where we were like the Energizer Buddy and we just never stop and we just keep going and we don't need sleep. But listen, he put weakness, weariness, tiredness, sleep on us to remind us of at least one thing, that we are not God and that he is. Right? What do we say? If I just had a few more hours in the day, I could complete everything that I need to complete, right? Time reminds us and ticks on to say, you are not God. You need to rest. You have to sleep. Somebody might get a black eye. Do not grow weary in well-doing, but in due time you'll reap if you do not faint. See, weariness, it not only... Not only is it a breeding ground for frustration, a breeding ground for confrontation and arguments, it, weariness, even in doing good things, can make us lose sight of why we're doing good things in the first place. I want you to hear this. Our aim and goal as people in this world, number one, the Westminster Catechism says it best, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And when we become weary, when we become frustrated, when we become disjointed because we haven't taken proper rest or or even just had sleep at times, we fail to glorify God. Listen to what it says in Psalm 118. Go there with me. This is only... The second of four places I'll have you go. I know I turn a lot. 118 verse 28 says, You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good for His steadfast love endures forever. Listen, the chief end of man is to not be busy. It's to not build kingdoms here. The chief end of man is to not busy ourselves with 30 spinning plates to where we do nothing good. The chief end of man is that we would glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The psalmist said, I will give thanks to you, God. I will exalt you, God. I will lift you up. But when we become weary, 
When we get tired, even in doing good, and listen, if you've ever served in the church, you know what I'm talking about. Kind of goes like this sometimes in a church setting. Every church I've ever been a part of, I'm not picking on First Baptist. We're just a part of it. Hey, do you want to serve in RAs? Sure. Three weeks later, what do you do? RAs, Sunday school, parking lot, prayer team. I sweep up every now. You see what I'm saying? Anybody have experienced that? You can nod your heads like this. And for those of you that aren't nodding your heads, you're liars. <laughs> Don't be bad at me. That's the truth. We do, man. We get so busy. And sometimes it's doing awesome stuff, good stuff. But we fail to glorify God. We fail to make the aim and the ambition of our life to give him glory and to lift him up. And that's what weariness does to us. That's why he admonished, don't grow weary in well-doing. Because there's a reward. But listen, if you're not glorifying God, if you're distracted, if you're frustrated and you're broken, there's no reward in that. There's no joy in that. There's no vitality in that. There's no life in that. But not only do we not glorify God, we fail to walk in the Spirit. Listen to what Galatians 5, 16 says, 16 and 18. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you ought to do. Paul admonishes, walk in the Spirit. Listen. When we're frustrated, when we're aggravated, when we're broke down, when we haven't taken that time to rest, when we are weary in ministry, marriage, parenting, school, teamwork, whatever it is, when we are weary, we do not walk in the Spirit. You might walk in the Spirit, but it's not the Spirit of Christ. It happens. We fail to glorify God, and then we, we fail to walk in the Spirit. The next thing that happens, we lose sight of reflecting Christ to the world. Listen to Galatians 5.22. It's just on down the page. Galatians 5.22-25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Listen, when we grow weary, when we grow frustrated, when we grow tired. Listen, not only do we not glorify God, not only do we not walk in the Spirit, but we fail to reflect Christ to the world. If the Spirit is living in us, if we've been baptized in Christ, we've been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, we've been resurrected from a spiritual death to spiritual life, then the Spirit of God should be living in us, moving through us. And when we're weary and tired and frustrated and broke down, there's no way that we can appropriately show love and faithfulness and tenderness and joy and self-control. Listen, as bad as we want to. I remember a time I was driving home one night, and it was late, and, and I we used to travel all over the place with the band and, and all over the country. And, and we would drive sometimes, uh, Nick and myself, we'd drive 12, 15 hours, one trip. And we'd stop to get gas and McDonald's, and that was literally it sometimes. Sleep in a parking lot every now and then. And there would be times where, I mean, the goal is for everybody to arrive safely. The goal is for, to get to your destination. And that's the goal, but there are times that 
that the destination would be the ditch because you were tired or weary. And see, in all of our lives, there's so many of us here today that you desire to follow Christ. You desire to keep it between the lines. And I don't mean just to be good. You desire to have a life that's passionate about Christ. But because you are so weary and so tired and so broke down by all the good things that you're doing, you're swerving into the ditch all the time. You say, why am I swerving into the ditch? Because you're tired. You're weary. But we live in a culture that says, whoa, 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 no, you go. You just go, 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 go. Stay up later. Wake up earlier. Don't give just 110%. Give 150%, no matter the cost, even if it's your family. That's the kind of culture we live in. So not only do we not glorify God, not only do we not walk in the Spirit, not only do we not reflect Christ to the world, we fail to win souls to the kingdom. See, in the book of Luke, he says, go out into the highways and the hedges, compel them to come in. When we're so weary and so broke down, sometimes of even doing good things, that we fail to compel lost people to come be a part of what we're doing. Listen, I'll tell you, it's very easy in church work to get so bogged down as a minister of handling, whether it's disputes or administrative type things, which I'm pretty terrible about. I couldn't administrate my way out of a building. So many different things that, that, that you do that, man, and, and this is just confession, right? I'm just confessing to you because I want to grow with you. I want to walk with you through life. I want to be a shepherd and, and, and show you, man, like there's so many times that I'm doing so many good things that I miss out on the God thing. I, I miss out on compelling that person at the grocery store, at the gas station. Hey, do you, do you know Christ? You, you want to come go with me? You, you want to... Meet other believers. You want to meet people who know this man named Jesus? Listen, there are so many times when we're, we're, we're weary and broken down with the best of intentions. We're doing so many good things. We miss the God thing, and we never fulfill our calling. See, because we're called as believers to, number one, glorify God. Then we're called to reflect Him to the world. We're called to walk in the Spirit, and we're called to compel others to come in. There's so many times that we got this plate spinning and this plate spinning and this plate spinning and this plate spinning. We're like the little guy in the sideshow, right? There's 30 plates spinning on a stage and we have no time, time to go and share our faith and compel anyone to know Jesus. So, TJ, what do we do? What do we do? I want to give you a few things this morning from the Scripture that tells us what to do when we grow weary. What we do to fight against the idea of, of fainting. I don't want to faint, church. You hear me? I don't want you to faint. So hear this. What do we do when all of life is rushing in and we got to keep the plate spinning? What do we do? Listen to Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What he said in verse 10, be still. We live in a culture that says move, hurry, right? As believers, we say that. If our order's wrong or if our order doesn't come in the 3.7 seconds of ordering it at the window, we're like, come on, hurry, move. That's what you get paid for. Give me my stuff. Let's go. We're in a hurry. And God is screaming to our generation, be still and know that I'm God. 
God, why am, I, why am I stressed out? Why am I wrestling with anxiety or depression? Why am, why am I wrestling through these things? Because you have 50 plates spinning and you haven't been still with God in the last year. But we're not supposed to be still. Someone might think we're lazy if we're still, so we got to keep moving, keep hurrying, keep moving. Be still and know that I'm God. If you sit here this morning, you say, TJ, I'm... I'm wrestling with all these different things, man. I'm doing all these good things. I'm teaching this or I'm teaching that. or Man, I'm coming to church every Sunday or every Wednesday. I'm do, doing all this stuff. Be still. Be still. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but when's the last time? I asked myself this question. When's the last time that I just I was still with God? But we've been trained by our culture to treat God like He is the lady or the guy in the fast food window. We've been trained to treat Him that way. We go to Him if we don't have an answer in 30 seconds. God, that's just not fast enough. God, I want it. I want it now. Be still. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Not only are we to be still, but we're to wait. Our culture says, rush. <laughs> God says, wait. Listen, Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. He said it twice. It's pretty important to him. Wait for the Lord. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. If you come in today and you're weary and you're, you're tired, man, be still with God. Wait on Him to speak. See, what we do so often in our lives is we, we cultivate the plan. We ne we're never still with Him long enough to hear His plan. And then we rush out the door before He unpacks it. So what we do is we go in life and we kind of make messes sometimes that God's cleaning up because we haven't waited on Him to speak. To fight against weariness, to fight against losing sight of the goal of glorifying Him, walking in the Spirit, reflecting Christ, and winning souls, we have to be still. We have to wait. And listen, we have to rest. Psalm 62, 1 and 2 says it like this. For God alone my soul waits in silence. For, from, him, from Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, my God. I shall not be greatly shaken. He's my rock. He's the one when I'm tired and I have no other place to go that I can lay on Him, I can rest on Him, I can pour all of my burden and my life on Him. He's the rock. And I go to the rock, Scripture says, that is higher than I. Where do I go? I go to the rock. Where do you go? Have we been still? Have we been patient? Have we waited on the Lord? Have we spent rest in Him? Have we unpacked our lives on Him and allowed Him to give us that rest? You fight against a weary heart and a frustrated and tired life by, by being still, by waiting, by resting. Last point before we move on. Not only do we wait, not only are we still, not only do we rest, but we have to seek community. We have to seek community that will lift us up when we're weary. In our church, we use the format of Sunday school, small group settings. 
a desire to build community. A desire to have a place to where we learn together and we do life together. A lot of times church is treated kind of like a buffet. We all just kind of, we all kind of come in and we, we, we feast and we eat and we enjoy it. And then we kind of go out and we don't really cross paths. And that's not really what God intended with church. He intended that our lives would intertwine together, that our lives would become family-like, and that we would walk with one another. So listen, if you want to combat being weary, you have to seek out community that's going to hold you up. I want to show you a picture from Scripture. Exodus chapter 17, verses 10 through 13. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of a hill, whenever Moses held his hands up, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and one on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Listen, you will grow weary. There's no doubt. There will be times in life, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's in your job, whether it's in school, no matter what it is, that your arms will grow tired. Listen, this was Moses. This is the one that reached out a staff and water just splits. This is the one that that God compels to lead a whole people group out of slavery. This guy could do everything, but you know what? Even this guy grew weary. But he had a community around him that when he grew weary, they didn't kick the stone out from under him, but they placed it under him and held his arms up. Oh, Moses, you're growing tired. What can I do? What can I throw your arm on my shoulder? Biblical community is life that's side by side. If Aaron and Hur had not been there that day side by side, his arms would have fallen. Joshua would have been overcome. There would have been defeat. But he had strategically surrounded himself with men who feared God and would lift his arms up when he failed. Listen, men and women in here today, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Have you been still with God lately? Have you waited on him to speak? Have you spent any time resting in his presence? Last question I'm going to ask you before we move on from this point. Have you surrounded yourself with a biblical community who will lift your arms up when you grow weary? Have you done it? I'm going to challenge you. Listen, if you're not engaged in a Sunday school or a small group, and it doesn't have to just be on camp, there's small groups that meet, there's accountability groups. You don't have to take a role, it doesn't have to be formal, but surround yourself with with men or women that, that, that will hold you accountable, that will lift your arms up when you grow weary. Amen. Last point this morning. I'll leave you alone. Luke 10. Paul admonishes, do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you'll reap if you do not faint. The psalmist encourages us to be still with God, to wait on God, and to rest in God. And Moses showed us a picture of depending on community around us when we grow weary. last picture I want you to see is in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. A woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. But 
Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Can you see this picture played out? Jesus chose to come into her house. He could have went to anybody else's house. He was famous. And Jesus is in town. Where's he going to eat tonight? Right? Swarm of people, the buzz around him. Where's he going? Whose house is he at? Can we get in? But he comes to Martha's house and to Mary's house. And can you see? I can see Martha walking up. Jesus, she's being lazy. Jesus, she's just resting at your feet. She's being too still. She's waiting on you. She's hanging on every word. Jesus, are you just going to let her sit there? Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Martha was spending all of her time, maybe cleaning out the old china that's never used, that was great-grandma's out of the cabinet, and making the, the perfect recipe, and running around the house, scurrying around the house. And it's kind of how we do with church and life. Don't we? We're scurrying around, doing all these things, making sure everything's perfect, and we're trying to impress Jesus, or those people that follow Jesus. We're trying to impress, trying to put on the show, and Jesus is saying, you're missing the mark. You're anxious and you're troubled. You're spending all of your energy doing this and you have need of one thing today. One thing. Sit at my feet. Jesus wasn't going to rebuke Mary because she had chosen the good thing. Have you chosen the good thing? Are you a Martha this morning? Are you scurrying around trying to impress? Are you scurrying around trying to get all this stuff done, trying to get all these, keep all these plates spinning, maybe even in your religious life, spend all this time making sure you do this devotion, that devotion, and your prayer time in three discipleship groups? Maybe you're that guy, right? Maybe you're that girl. Are you Martha this morning? Are you so distracted with the things that you have to do that you don't even realize Jesus is in your living room? find it interesting that Jesus, he didn't look at Mary and say, Mary, you know, I think you really should kind of help out, don't you? He addressed only Martha. He said, Martha, she chose the good thing. This morning, will you choose the good thing? This morning, will you be still with him? This morning, will you commit in your heart to wait patiently for him? This morning, will you ask God to give you rest in him? And would you just sit at his feet? Would you choose the good thing today? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. God, thank you that you've placed your spirit inside of us and you've allowed us to glorify you and to walk in the spirit and to reflect you and to be soul winners. But God, I confess, Lord, there's so many times that we get so many plates spinning, Lord, that we, God, we glorify our busyness when really it destroys us spiritually. And God, I ask you today to give us that rest. Give us the courage to be still. Give us the courage to wait on you, Lord, so that we might choose the good thing. God, we want to choose the good thing. We want relationship with you more than anything, God. That's our prayer today. Give us that relationship. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name.
Amen.